Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. This is Loki. He's not very happy that I'm holding him up like this, but he's here to help us celebrate Podcast Beyond episode 700. And I'm joined this week by our official cast and not just a dog. Joined this week by Brian Altana. Hi, how are you? Happy Beyond. Lucy O'Brien. Hello. I tried and to Max build a Scope. set. Wait, you gotta you gotta notice my set and praise my you set. Every, everyone go to the one up of, of Lucy. Yes, look, I did it in a hurry. You're building it out. That's what that's what matters. And we're also joined this week by Max Scoville. On our 700th episode yet. <laughs> Finally, Lucy has a set. That's what we've all been building up to over these 700 episodes together. Obviously, all four of us. Uh, but no, we're, we're here to celebrate episode 700. And for those who are watching live, uh, we're live on IGN, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, thank you to everyone who's tuning in and watching and celebrating with us live. Uh, for those who are listening or watching to this after, none of what I'm about to say will really matter to you. But uh, just sit tight and we'll get to the full episode in just a second. Uh, please stick around for the full episode because we'll be talking about all the latest PlayStation news, plus diving into some Q&A from the audiences around the uh, different platforms we're on. And then we're going to be doing the finally long-awaited second episode of our Bloodborne Let's Play. Finally, we're going back to Yarnum. Uh, but we've we've got a little bit of a way before we get up there to celebrate all of uh, Beyond 700. So I did, of course, just want to start the show by saying thank you to everyone out there, whether you're watching live or you're listening or watching this afterward. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your support of the show. We love doing this. I often make sure the whole cast knows, but if they don't, like this is always the highlight of my week to be able to do this and to be able to do it with all three of you. So thank you all for being here and thank you to everyone out there celebrating with us. Yeah, totally. You guys are awesome, all of you. I love working with all of you. I, I love doing the show, period. I, I miss doing PSX and interacting with people. Uh, so this is this is the best we can do for now, which is, you know, I, I think it's important to say at the beginning of like a big celebration, you go, this is the best we can do. And then people go, all right, well, let's take the expectations down a notch, you know? <laughs> let's just let's shoot that in the sky right now. <laughs> What I, wanna, what I want to know about the Bloodborne playthrough is that when we first shot that, which was like right at the very tail end of normal life, right. um, Dorna was new to the Souls series. So he was like inexperienced and we were kind of helping him along a little bit, perhaps like giving him too many hints. And a lot of like commentators have said, you guys need to, you know, like make it harder for him. Well, subsequently, how many Souls games have you played, Uh I've beaten Demon Souls and Dark Souls, and I'm like 75% of the way through Sekiro, so... Yeah, so we're not going to be helping him this time around. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a That's whole fair. different experience. I just also, want everyone to know that. We we were like, no, dark, no Bloodborne, you can't play it, which is messed up to be like, here's your first taste of one of the best games ever and you can't play it for a year so you were like well i guess i'll play all these other from soft games so like i don't i don't know if anyone's ever had i'm sure somebody's like dropped bloodborne and picked it back up the way you did but i don't think anyone's so <laughs> deliberately been like well i guess i'll just go you know get good you know over Elsewhere. here in a parallel no, dimensions it's it's yeah. kind of like if we all planned like dorno's first trip to europe and we're like we're all going to go to italy and then we couldn't and then he was like can I go to Spain, Germany, and France? And like, yeah, I guess. Sure. Get the training wheels off. Yeah, you know, I, I, I lasted until basically 
basically the launch of the PS5, and then Demon Souls came out, and I was like, well, this is too pretty. I can't not play it. Uh, and then from there, I just kind of haven't stopped. But I'm I'm really excited to get back to Bloodborne. We're gonna get to it uh, a little bit later after this show and of course if you're if you're watching the vod version of this or listening on audio uh the bloodborne let's play will be available separately so you can go check that out as well uh but let's jump in because uh despite you know us recording live uh, i fully expect there to be major playstation news the second we stop streaming uh, i fully expect that to happen but thankfully a little bit of news actually broke this morning that i want to start off the show with uh and it comes from a big deep dive piece from wired who uh has basically you know, since the start of the PS5 been there, they were the ones to first officially sort of reveal Sony's plans for the PS5. And so there's a big new feature piece out from them. Uh, it's a very in-depth uh, piece talking to uh, Jim Ryan and uh, a whole bunch of other developers from, you know, around the sort of Sony sphere. Uh, but one of the most interesting points that's brought up in this piece is uh, a, a little bit of the way in, uh, the, it says, according to Herman Holst, uh, the Gorilla co-founder whom Jim Ryan tapped to lead PlayStation Studios in 2019, the group, and I assume the group is referring to PlayStation Worldwide Studios, has more than 25 titles in development for the PS5, nearly half of which are entirely new IP. So I wanted to bring this up, and before we get into like the math equation of what those 25 games are, I wanted to ask all of you, this feels a little bit, or maybe not a little bit, like very uh, pointedly so, like uh, refuting or a response to the report from a few weeks ago uh, from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, uh, sort of about the the movement of different projects within Sony, some of the the cancellation of uh, you know a potential Days Gone sequel, the worry that there would uh, be doubling down on existing franchises and not new IP. Uh, Brian, I guess I'll start with you. Do, does this feel like a little bit of a response slash? Does that like number surprise you? Does it does it seem expected? How do, how does that read for you? Is it is it is it working? Is it's it working. we're we're okay? We're we we haven't broken the stream. Thank you all for your support and breaking our live stream uh, with your support <laughs> of Beyond Seven Hundred. That's definitely uh, breaking news. It was uh, so we we covered the entire that episode worked. in that span. Um, so thank you all so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. I'm yeah, that was great. Uh, we'll see you yeah, for PS Six. Yep, it's uh, close this chapter of Beyond. Uh, this is why no, we don't so... do this stuff live because it's it, inevitably <laughs> this happens. Like we have enough of these these weird hiccups when we're not doing it live, and doing it live is like, of course, we get two minutes in. That's anyway. exactly what you would expect. But uh, yeah, I, so I don't know what people heard or wh or what they did or didn't hear. Um, so just briefly, we were talking about the Wired article uh, talking about the uh, twenty five games. Uh, in development for PlayStation Worldwide Studios. Brian, I was throwing to you uh, sort of about how it seems like they're they're sort of responding to recent worries about whether, you know, PlayStation was going to have new IP. How did you how did you read this sort of I, I think that's a, a totally uh, valid point to make. I, I also feel like they had a string of bad PR and it could really only go up from there. I think anyone expected that expected Sony to just be like down in in the gutter for the rest of the generation is crazy, right? Like they have they have a they have a you know, hit selling system. They have uh, a bunch of great studios working in unison on brand new projects. Uh, they've shipped a bunch of really cool games already. They have a bunch more coming. Um, I did. I do think they had a bad few weeks, but this is, you could really only go up from there. I think it's awesome because this is showing us not necessarily uh, that they have a bunch of studios that are working on stuff, but the new IP thing is really exciting. Cause I think that part of the criticism a few weeks ago was specifically that they were, you know, theoretically not, as experimental as we wanted them to be. They were playing it safe. And 
making new IPs is antithetical to playing it safe. Unless they're all just extremely boring new IPs, which I doubt from them, you know? Lucy, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. There we go. See, all these problems are happening. It's incredible. I was talking to myself for, for I, just a minute. Was like, I was like, which... Who should I talk to? Who should I uh, We're having a great time for Beyonce. As you can see, I, I did nothing. I just said. I loved it. Yeah. The chat saying they can bear me hear me, barely hear me too. Barely hear me. Well, they uh, bear we'll, me we'll, hear me. Bear me hear me. Uh, They're calling me Barmy Harmy, which I think is weird. <laughs> uh, Lucy, what I was trying to ask you was, um, you, you know, I, I think understandably, uh, we were when we were talking about that Bloomberg report, we were concerned because we do love seeing these risks taken by PlayStation. That's mm -hmm. how we get to the, you know, the franchises we have that we love right now. Um, do you like sort of seeing this expanse? Obviously, there are only so many studios. Do you feel like this also might tie into because they don't specify? Do you think this ties into maybe some of the partnerships we've been seeing from them? Stuff like Haven Studios, uh, the game from Firewalk Studios, that AAA multiplayer game do you, do you feel like this number kind of maybe include that stuff to help bolster the roster yeah i mean i i think that that makes the most sense um one thing that i also really like about this is uh yesterday there was that report that came out and this is this is nothing new right like this is from the um like the ubisoft ea all of those financial uh reports that recently came out and you know, the, the picture from those two publishers was very like, we are focusing on free to play games, you know, games of service, uh, that sort of thing, uh, the ever evolving multiplayer landscape. Um, and that's great. Uh, but as I mentioned on Twitter, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single player gal, like I enjoy my single player experiences. And I think PlayStation makes the best single player experiences um or some of the best i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be too <laughs> controversial um but you know they're, they're also the ones regularly uh putting focus on um you know particularly story driven uh ips and and, and i i mean this is exciting to me you know like i i the, the ubisoft ea stuff that's nothing new but it just served as a reminder that a lot of other publishers aren't putting this focus on these amazing story-driven games. And hearing Herman Holst uh, say that, uh, sorry, Jim Ryan say that, like, that's exciting to me. That, like, I hope that a lot of those games are more narrative-driven games because that's what I want and that's what PlayStation is so good at. So this was a, like, a, a lovely little palate cleanser after yesterday's uh, you know, not surprising, but very sort of stark report. Worrying comments, yeah, yes. for for all of us who I think collectively we can kind of agree that we we do gravitate toward those games more than the uh, free to play sort of space and and multiplayer stuff and whatnot. But ob obviously, they need a a well rounded base. I think PlayStation of kind of understands they they want those first party single player action adventure games but they need to have more to offset it um max i i sort of wanted to ask the on the like uh half of them about being uh fresh ip what what are you i guess going into the ps5 life cycle most excited by right now like the potential for all this new ip the seeing the so, series that we've been covering for the last few generations here's the thing <clears throat> We hear 25 new IPs, and I think we immediately sort of jump to like, oh, these are going to be like massive flagship AAA, you know, God of War, Spider-Man, you know, Days Gone kind of stuff. But I think we're also discounting, um, you know, Sony has smaller things. Or there's also the PlayStation VR 2 on the horizon, and it's entirely possible that one of the IPs is like a successor to, 
you know, tumble down VR or like, you know, sm like smaller, you know, VR experiences, um, may maybe something that does weird stuff with the dual sense. I mean, it it's possible we get like a, a you know, st stuff like with all due respect, like Sackboy's big adventure or whatever it's called was like, it was very fun, but that also isn't the kind of thing we immediately jumped to being like, Oh, that's like a huge first party Sony thing. But that was, you know, that was a, a PlayStation five exclusive and it's, or, you know, PS five, PS four exclusive. And, it's it's I feel like it's very possible that you know one of those IPs is something that we just do not care about like another another wonder book you know <laughs> um, yeah no you're absolutely right I think this the PS5 you know having 25 games for PS5 absolutely probably does include PSVR 2 in there uh, and so I kind of wanted to do a little bit of the mental math to to get a sense of what we're looking at I guess with these 25 IPs. Uh, new and old. Uh, there's obviously the God of War sequel. Uh, I'm going to count Rift apart because that's still, you know, a couple weeks out. Um, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7. Um, do we have anything else properly announced from Sony First Party Studios? There was that rumor for, you know, the original Last of Us remastered. We don't exactly yeah. know where that is. That hasn't been officially confirmed. I don't think we'll hear anything about that until like there's actual you know, production images of the, of the show, uh, totally in, in progress. So, but yeah, you're, I think, yeah. I think you mostly listed it all. That's uh, you know, so we're really working within the realm of, and, and maybe uh naughty dogs, multiplayer sort of factions thing. Um, we were basically within the realm of like knowing a fifth of what that lineup could be, which is really exciting to me because I, I think my biggest worry and, and please let me know if you, any of you feel differently, but I, I feel like right now, with PlayStation, I have a really good vision of what the next year, year and a half looks like, but not beyond that. Like the the rest of the life cycle is a bit of a mystery, and that's both exciting, but also sort of a I I hope they can continue this momentum because like coming with Ratchet and Spider Man and God of War and Horizon all within the first you know year, year and a half of the PS5 is daunting. That is a lot to have for the beginning of a life cycle. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a tough situation, right? Because you don't want to put too many cards on the table and then invariably delay a bunch of those things. Uh, they're also having no problem uh, selling. Well, they are having a problem selling PS5s. I'll correct that. Uh, it's very <laughs> it's a, hard. It's a good problem for them. Yeah, and they, they just announced the other day that this is going to be a problem until 2022. And so um, I don't I don't necessarily need, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always torn between like selfishly wanting to know what studios are working on, but also not wanting to see stuff too early because then I have to spend years going, where is it? Why is it delayed? Um, I'd rather, you know, find out about something and then a few months later be playing it. But it is exciting to, to, spe to speculate about what could be coming um, because we know a few things, but a lot of them don't even have release dates currently. So, you know, it's it's sort of interesting. We're, it's shot in the dark guesses on, on Horizon and God of War and whether or not we'll even get those this year. You know, they're rumored to be this year, but I, I'd be surprised if they if, if they land this year personally. I'm, I'm I'm definitely feeling like of the two, probably Horizon has the best shot just because we've seen a trailer <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and gotten a little bit more detail. But yeah, outside of that, God of War is, is a mystery of whether it will come out this year. And then there's, of course, you know, all of the studios that we don't know what they're working on. And so I, I kind of wanted to, before we move on to anything else, just sort of ask you, you know, not knowing anything of what's to come, what potential studio, you know, working on stuff are you, are you sort of most excited to see stuff from? Because we don't know what... Pixel Opus or Bend or London Studio who did Blood and Truth uh, or obviously what, you know, Team Asobi will be on next, even if we can probably guess it will be some sort of Astros. Um, we're sort of in the dark about a lot of that stuff, but there's obviously a lot of really exciting teams 
within the portfolio. Lucy, I want to start with you. You know, uh, what team, whether known or not, are you most looking forward to right now? I mean, you know, I am excited for anything that Naughty Dog's doing always. Uh, I would, I mean, I'm not sure if this would ever happen. I would love Naughty Dog to do a full on horror game. That's <laughs> like my, like, that is my ultimate sort of genre. I mean, because The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two are very much horror games anyway, but I would love to see like a full sort of genre lean in. Um, I would also like Bend to, to give it a, a horror game a stab uh, just because I think that uh, the best parts of uh, freaking what's it Days Gone. Days Gone. Yeah. Apologies, apologies, <laughs> apologies. Um, it's early. Uh, it's early in the, the best, morning. Again. The best parts of, of, of that were, you know, with the hordes and, and obviously like they were the most thrilling and horrific. And I think that that is something that Ben is obviously very good at. Um, so yeah, like those two studios for me are, are definitely the ones I have my eyes on. Uh, Max, what about you? I know we were talking a little bit about sort of the, you know, PS5 and PSVR potential. Well, what are you I mean, most excited to you see? You mentioned London Studio who did uh, Blood and Truth, which I think is my favorite VR game I've played. Like I've, you know, played a fair amount of them. And, you know, they're, I, I just, I had a really good time with that. Like it was a such, it, it bit off exactly the right amount that it could chew. It was like a perfect sort of like, you know, encapsulated just action movie experience, just shooting, shooting stuff and jumping off of buildings. And then there was just a bunch of like really just wonderfully dumb gimmicky VR stuff in there. Like you could fiddle with the radio and open the vents in the car. Or like you could, you could vape in VR. Like it was just, they, they had so much fun with that. And I want to see what they do with the uh, dream. With yeah. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I was blown away when I played that first London heist demo and I was like, I want more of this. And then we got it and it was great. And, you know, I think that was at a point where we weren't sure if PlayStation VR was a thing we'd see more of or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and we know we're going to see more of it. So I guess I'm sort of, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what else you got? Like what's, what next? Where do you go from here? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really am excited for what that studio can do because outside of Blood and Truth, they were pretty quiet this generation other than uh, SingStar at the beginning of it all because that's kind of where they started out. That's a weird um, transition. That really is it's like, a strange be like one. yeah, you want to go from you know, singing Taylor Swift to just like vaping and shooting people? Okay. Why not? They, they made that, it work. There was that sort of rumor about uh, London Studio working on that kind of like spiritual successor to PlayStation Home. I know somebody in the chat brought it up recently too on, on YouTube, um, which is it might theoretically be like a gathering place for people to like hang out and watch movies together. Um, so that could be interesting we, in VR. Maybe you can vape there. You shouldn't vape in the movie theater, <laughs> but maybe you'll be able to do it there. Definitely. Um, we at the very least know that they are working on, uh, according to job listings, a, a next gen IP. So whether it is like a, uh, it feels like it probably won't be Blood and Truth 2, but whether it's a spiritual successor or something in that vein or something brand new, they're probably working on something. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what that is. Um, Brian, before I do ask you, I just want to quickly, uh, Linty Lohan had said on Twitch, is Kenna, uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits first party or even Sony exclusive? Don't say that seriously. Don't say that casually. <laughs> Linty Lohan. Linty Lohan. I, said, what a Linty. great name. Not lit, you know, it's uh, their cousin, I assume. Uh, so anyway, um, look, I've had to read a lot of strange Twitch names in my day, so I'm used to it. Uh, anyway. Uh, Lindsay Tina Lohan loves is... to vape in VR, by the way. She did a whole <laughs> on, interview on it that I made up. on the GTA up. cover. <laughs> um, that is not being published by Sony. I think it's just getting a, a big marketing push because it is console exclusive to PS4 and PS5. Right. Um, I think right, right now this 25 games thing is like, games being published or developed by worldwide studios uh but anyway brian uh, well, what are you most excited for before we uh sucker punch so, i want to yeah. see what sucker punch does next i'm so i loved ghost of tsushima like there's a lot of games that are like 
Assassin's Creed one and Watch Dogs one and uh, and, you know, Days Gone, where you're like, the sequel's going to be so much better. But I feel like uh, Ghost of Tsushima was already at a higher sort of like level than those other games were. So to see where they go from there is going to be super fascinating. They're obviously been toiling away at the multiplayer stuff that, uh, you know, people absolutely love. Um, I'm sure it'll get a sort of dedicated PS5 port at some point, but I want to see what other stories they can tell in that world and worlds adjacent to that other time periods, even if they're smaller, sort of like standalone type things that are, you know, 10, 10 hours, 12 hours, you know, a Miles Morales type situation where it takes you eight hours to finish a story, but like maybe 15, 100% it. Um, I would love to see that. I feel like the the world design is so gorgeous. The animation and the atmosphere and everything, the combat was so much fun. I had so much fun collecting stuff in that world. I just want more of that. It was, that was, I've mentioned this before. It was such a treat to play that game during the pandemic um, and have that level of escapism. Uh, it was, you know, I had the same kind of feeling with Animal Crossing, which had considerably less decapitations in it, unless you use the cheat code <laughs> that Nintendo doesn't want you to find out about. But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima was awesome. I cannot wait to see what Sucker Punch does next. Yeah, me too. Especially with, I think, as you were saying, the surprise that Legends was to everyone, both, you know, surprise announcement, but also just surprise of how great it was. Uh, mm -hmm. I think whatever they work on next, there's there's a lot of potential there. And yeah, of course, uh, please stay tuned for later in the show, the seven cheat codes Nintendo doesn't want you to know about. We'll be covering that <laughs> a little bit toward the second half of the show. Uh, but I do want to move on. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a lot of uh, exciting stuff we don't know is announced, but the next big PlayStation first party game we're going to get is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And I know we spent a bit of last week's episode on it, so I don't want to spend too long, but I did want to mention, uh, I have seen a around 30 to 40 minute hands-off demo uh, of more brand new Ratchet and Clank gameplay. You can see some of that in my video preview up on IGN and YouTube. Uh, I saw about 40 or so minutes of the game uh, spoke with both Marcus Smith, uh, the creative director, and Mike Daly, the game director uh, for Rift Apart, and also uh, sat in on a few roundtables between uh, a, a bunch of different Insomniac uh, artists and animators, writers, uh, developers, designers, uh, just got sort of a whole suite of understanding of what they're working on. And and my big takeaways uh, that I wanted to bring up, and obviously if anyone in chat has questions, feel free to ask them, uh, but my, my biggest takeaways were they clearly have learned some stuff from Spider-Man and are putting it into Ratchet and Clank on both a gameplay level and a storytelling level. Uh, that really, really surprised me. Uh, they're doing a lot of sort of the uh, the Spider-Man thing where it's like you're in the midst of a crazy action sequence, cutting away to a little bit of a cinematic without you know ever having a load or a cut, then right back into the action just to keep the momentum going to get you to move around a space in more interesting ways. Uh, but they're also going for like way more emotional depth. You know, like I think Ratchet and Clank always gets talked about as how like it looks like a Pixar movie. I think I saw a tweet going around that like every Ratchet and Clank game for the last like six of them has been like, it almost looks like a Pixar movie. But the thing about Pixar too is that they are also full of heart and emotion and surprisingly like mature themes. And there's a there's a moment in the gameplay I saw where uh, Rivet, the new Lombax and Clank are uh, being chased by this giant mech called the Fixer, who essentially is having an existential crisis because the Fixer is broken and can't fix itself. And so if the Fixer can't be fixed, nothing should be fixed. And so it goes on a destruction spree. And they're trying to figure out how to stop it. It's got some incredible, <laughs> Incredibles vibes, right? Yeah, and they're like, we, we don't know how to stop it like that it's way too big to fight this is not you, you know they're rivet and clank are having this conversation as they're riding around like a, an extended rail grinding scene and 
at one point the fixer is like, oh, you too, little one are broken, like referring to Clank because he, you know, he he's been a bit damaged when he went through dimensions. And he's like, oh no, am I am I broken too? And Rivet's like, well, no, you're not broken because if you're broken, then so am I. And I think we're both pretty awesome. And it's like, it gives Clank this epiphany of like, oh yeah, me be like having you know, uh, circuitry a little bit differently or something, you know, not working properly as expected doesn't make me broken. I'm still clank. And he has this like emotionally, like mental health moment where he recognizes this and, you know, basically reasons with the fixer to kind of tell it like, hey, here's how you should be thinking of the world. And it, it works, it takes hold and like the fixer, you know, realizes the error of its ways. And it's just this sort of like surprising moment I did not expect at all in the middle of like, you know, wacky rift hopping and, and all the excitement of like Ratchet and Clank that I'm used to. It was like really kind of, it, it was touching. And I, I didn't expect that from a from a gameplay demo of here. Um, and, and you know, obviously, if, if any of you have any questions, feel free to let me know. But it, it was like, the gameplay is what I would have expected. It's Ratchet and Clank. If, if you like the third-person action shooting combat, it seems better, more refined. The weapons are crazier than ever. There's a lot of really fun stuff there. But, like, that emotional depth mixed with, like, the tech that they're working with right now just makes me think this will probably be the most immersive Ratchet and Clank and maybe even the most immersive, like, Insomniac game. Um, I have a question. I, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of feedback on Twitter from people who have, you know, seen the game. Um, I want to know how big it looks or how big it feels or how big Sony is promising uh, it's going to be. Just because if you look at what we've seen so far, uh, it that, that world looks enormous. Uh, but, you know, a lot of worlds can, can look enormous and, and have... Uh, very obvious limitations and and yeah i'm just intrigued by by the scope of it particularly considering you're you're jumping through dimensions and that sort of thing yeah the the scope was a thing that i spoke with uh, both mike daly and, and marcus smith about a lot and and one of the most interesting things that they kept bringing up was that like it, it's a combination of i it's a full-length Ratchet & Clank game, so even though the 2016 reboot and Into the Nexus, the last two games, were a bit shorter, this one will definitely be a more fully packaged, like, harkening uh, back to the original PS3 and PS2 ones in length and scope, but are really wanting to take advantage of the PS5, but not in a way that's just putting stuff in there to put stuff in there. It is really about making sure everything they're adding is really fun and additive and clever in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do before. So it's it's that concept of, you know, the, the rift hopping. They're able to load two simultaneous planets at the same time. And they're not just loading a chunk of the planet. They're loading the entire planet as you're wow. hopping between them. And it's... I, yeah. I mean, it, I like... I, I, Mike, I love that you said that because, like, you know, a fear of mine, again, people who watch this show know that I have not really played Ratchet and Clank before. I was a Jack and Dexter kid. Um, yeah. I don't know why that's tribal, but it is. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> you know, I, everything is tribal. Um, but like, you know, I like the idea that they're actually going to, you're going to be doing fun stuff within this, like, within this world. You know, it would be a shame if you had to like collect five cogs in between jumping through planets. Well, and I, I sort of asked them of that, of like, how do you make sure the stuff you're adding isn't just there for the sake of it? And because you look at the list of things you can do, it'll be like the basic Ratchet and Clank 
gameplay that you would expect, plus sections where you'll just be playing as Clank, plus sections as this new robot you'll be playing as called Glitch. There will be, you know, like writable uh, alien uh, aerial combat to, to go through. There's pocket dimensions to explore that are totally side and optional. Uh, gold boat bolts to collect. Uh, Ratchet's armor now comes in essentially, you can collect different suits of armor, but they're all scattered in three different pieces. But you can then also mix and match them so you're not locked in. Like they're they're trying to make sure that everything you're going for feels valuable and that there's a point to all of it and not just, well, we added 72 more gold bolts. Um, I, I talked to <laughs> Marcus Smith because all of you know I'm a huge trophy person. I was talking to him of like, you know, as a collectathon person, someone who loves those types of platformers, how do you make sure it's it's fun? He's like, you know, I've been guilty of, because he, he was working on the Resistance franchise of, you know, kill, you know, 10,000 monsters to get the trophy or whatever. And he's like, we didn't we didn't want that to be the experience we were pushing people to play here, um, whether it's in the main game or, you know, exploring side stuff or trophy hunting. They want it to all be very meaningful. And, and you know, seeing the lessons they learned from Spider-Man 1 to Miles Morales makes me feel like that's, it's leaning more in the Miles Morales Sort of realm. I, I sort of feel like a lot of games have kind of taken that note in the last couple of years or so, uh, where it feels like at least objectives for uh, trophy-based stuff have become a little more sophisticated and a little less um, grindy. Obviously, there are outliers there, but you do you get a lot of games that are you know not necessarily just you know collectathons. Uh, although we obviously had that for uh, a long time. Um, I hopped on the YouTube chat uh, and asked people if they had any questions for uh, Ratchet and Clank, for uh, Dorno, but because I'm co-hosting a live show and I type with one hand, I said dinner. Um, so I actually don't know what Ratchet and Clank are having for dinner, uh, but Chris Adams says, I'm very interested in the dinner options. Um, I would guess like a whole roast turkey and maybe like a, a clock is something that Clank would eat. Um, I mean, but, in, in yeah. Nefarious City, I've got to assume there's some really great street street carts around. Yeah. Just looking at sort of the vendor vendor situation there. It's I feel like there's like got to be Blade Runner vibe, right? Maybe there's exactly. some noodle carts. Um, Chris Adams says, uh, very interested in the dinner options, but I really do have, uh, have they mentioned anything about performance mode options like Spider-Man Miles Morales? That's that's sort of become a thing that's like, you know, uh, consciously baked into every next-gen game now. And sometimes they sort of bury it. I noticed like 20 hours into my, you know, second or third playthrough of Resident Evil Village that there was like a ray tracing option that was yeah. just, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I should have messed with that. <laughs> um yeah there, there will be uh it will have performance and uh quality mode uh options right from the jump uh they, they were still waiting to get back specifics i think they just wanted to make sure they were like 100 percent on it because the game at least they haven't announced it as far as i know hasn't gone gold yet again given our track record it will probably go gold after this show um but the, it will ship with two modes uh performance and quality so similar i think you can expect to what you get from uh miles morales will also be here uh of course miles also got a like combination uh mode a little bit after launch that let you have ray tracing on the performance mode uh version so it's possible we'll see you know uh things like that if if the players want it insomniac seems really really great about responding to you know fan concerns especially in these times where they able to patch stuff like they did with the Spider-Man remastered saves being able to move over from uh, the PS4 version. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if there there's a mode that people really, really want and the, the fan base craves for it. They'll probably be able to work it in there. But yeah, you, you will have those options right from the jump. Did you get um, a look at any any weaponry? Because they've always been known for like you know, <clears throat> like disco disco ball guns and stuff like that. Anything cool? 
Yeah, so uh, a couple things. The my favorite ones. Uh, some of them were shown in the state of play, but my my hands down favorite one is the topiary sprinkler, which essentially you throw out a sprinkler and it turns enemies into plants, and it essentially roots them in place so they can't move for a short amount of time. And while that's like funny and amusing that they turn into like hedge versions of themselves, it's also really helpful because a lot of enemies will now have shields that you can't hit directly head on so this lets you strafe around them to be able to get to them um there's that one there is a mr mr fun guy or fungi uh he's sort of mr zircon-esque where you you send out this sentient mushroom floating in the air and he gleefully is just shooting like radioactive spores at enemies and he's just like wahoo yay woo!" <laughs> and he's just doing that for fun uh, those are copyrighted so can, noises by the way they are those are yeah that that's directly from the game um i apologize for the dmc takedown we're about to get uh and then another favorite one that i saw is called the ricochet and so you send out a a single bullet and it hits an enemy and then the ball that is you know your uh ammunition will kind of hang in the air for a second and the player can direct it back to that enemy or to other enemies but it also has a like pinball uh sort of effect to it where it like lights up like it's a pinball machine uh getting hit and if you uh, enact another shot with it at just the right time where it kind of opens up, you'll do more damage. So there's suddenly like a little mini game as you're playing to kind of focus on as well. Um, those were the ones I saw. I feel like there's definitely more. We didn't see a full suite of it, but uh, th those were the ones that stood out the most to me of like, oh, these are weird and silly and fun in the way, in the way I expect Ratchet to be. This is what I love about video games and talking about video games is that we oh, can yeah. have all these like extremely serious, weighty, like, this is the first real next gen game. This is like, you know, showing what the PS5 can do. And then it's like, and then you turn all your enemies into a plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and no, then I there's mean, a guy like, called Mr. Fungi, and it's a pun. Yeah, the no, frames, just, well, the like, frames just, drop when the robot throws up, and I don't like it. This, like, we're talking about like ray tracing and like frame rate, and like, there, is there like a story message about mental health? And it's like, this is a this is a fun video game, and it's for kids of all ages. Is there a gun that turns people into bushes? Let me know, you know. And, and there is, what yeah, well, So yeah, that's what I I really love about this one is I think that it's straddling the line of both of those things. Like, obviously, Ratchet right. and Clank is very all ages friendly, especially compared to some other Sony stuff. But I do think they're they're cognizant, uh, and you know, a lot of Mar Marcus Smith was talking about this of like, there's a lot of newer, younger talent on the team that wasn't there who, who grew up on Ratchet and Clank. And so they're very aware of both like the lineage of this game, but they also want to make this something that is a really good entry point and a new place for people. And that's why like Rivet and the, the sort of multiple dimensions is so important to everything. But yeah, the, their like weapon design philosophy is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, weapons need to either be a 10 out of 10 in either being funny powerful or strategic and often for them most guns or weapons are two out of three of those and so they they have this balance of of making sure the weaponry is all fun and useful and the, the combat scenarios they said were like bigger than ever the the battlefields are much larger than previously um the enemy variety and and amount of enemies will will be more challenging so it it really feels like they are um they they know where Rift Apart stands with the rest of the, the lineage, but they're also like, this is our chance to do something incredible at the start of the PS5. And uh, th that was one of the biggest uh, exciting takeaways I had from Marcus Smith, where he was just like, yeah, we, we love what we're doing. And this is just the start. Like, we're only at the beginning of the PS5. Things are only going to keep getting better. Uh, Denver8 on YouTube says, I want a shot that complains as it's being fired. And I really like that idea. It reminds me oh, of- Oh, man. 
the like animated bullets from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. That was my oh, go-to they, on that one. They could <laughs> totally cowboy. Yeah. A, a self-deprecating deprecating weapon feels like if it's not in there, uh, Insomniac, please put that in as DLC because that sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, that that was sort and of not my main annoying takeaways. at all. Not annoying at all. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it definitely won't be too. You you won't need to tell the gun. Hey, you should maybe go talk to someone after a little bit. Um, but yeah, th- those were my main takeaways from Ratchet and Clank. Again, we are. Uh, today we are officially less than a month out from that game, which is sort of wild. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll have more to talk about it soon. Uh, I can't wait to actually dive into the game again. I didn't get to play it, but please go check out the full preview. Uh, you can see like ten more minutes of of gameplay on IGN. It's uh, the game looks gorgeous. I I can't wait to see more. Um, but in terms of stuff we we can play, I do want to move on to a little bit of what we've been playing because I think across the board we've all been having quite a time with Resident Evil Village. Um, and as the as the most newcomer, I would say, to the Resident Evil Village uh, or Resident Evil franchise in general, I kind of want to throw to all of you to, to hear um, how you've been taking the Village as, as such more long-time or more experienced uh, Resident Evil players, even if you've just been catching up with the last year or two, I know. But like for some of you, this has been like a lifelong love. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. How, how are you liking Village so far? Oh, my God. Uh, I <laughs> absolutely adore this game. It takes, I would say... Um, a lot of the sort of, you know, the skeleton, the build up the elements of four, uh, which is, you know, one of my top three favorite games of all time um, with some of the sort of like creature design and uh, environments and atmosphere from games like Bloodborne. Uh, but then also a lot of the stuff that they pioneered in seven. And I think course corrects a lot of the, the, the mistakes that that game made. Some of my biggest takeaways from seven were that it was scary and atmospheric and moody, but that the uh, enemy design was sort of lacking. The gun play felt a little mushy um and i didn't really like uh the the last third of the game whereas i feel like uh resident evil 5 is sort of split into five main areas i won't spoil any of them um there was a lot of debate about uh, which ones are people's favorites and stuff like that uh i'm on my so i beat the game and then i beat the game on a harder difficulty setting and i'm now playing on the hardest difficulty setting the village of shadows which is just bonkers uh most of the werewolves are replaced with the ones that have like uh hockey helmets and um big metal fists and stuff like that it's it's tough as nails it's a great challenge it's super fun uh i adore this game the 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 i would i would describe the 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 story as hogwash (laughs) it's it's nonsense in the best sort of like b movie d-tier horror like it is just lunacy and i love it for that it totally commits to the bit the 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 vo the characters are completely over the top uh it's it is an absolute blast i think it does horror super super well it's not like overtly scary but it does a a lot in terms of, of like building up mood and tension uh settings are are amazing um yeah i i absolutely love this game it is it is it is by far my game of the year. I don't see anything topping it right now. Awesome. Uh, Lucy, I know you're pretty early on in it, but how, how have you been taking to it so far? I know we talked a little on Twitter about it. but Yeah, I'm like three and a half hours in. Um, I'm adoring it. Uh, I think, I, I, you know, I'm sort of going to expand on what Brian said in that, like, it has some risen evil series. Uh, you know, I I sort of feel like what this game is doing is going back to the weirdness of Resident Evil. Resident Evil 7 was a great game insofar it was like, this is very terrifying. I'm being chased by like 
an old like redneck with a shotgun and and there's no way I can uh, fight back. You know, we're seeing a lot of games, horror, survival horror games, especially in the indie space doing that, uh, that exact same thing, you know, games like uh, Outlast, for example, um, and they do it very well. And I felt like Resident Evil 7 was kind of like another one of those games, right? Um, and I sort of, I really enjoyed it, but I missed the weird, weird twisted heart of Resident Evil from it. And, and, and I feel like Resident Evil Village has gone back to that. Like the, the freak show at the very, be I, this is not a massive spoiler, but like the, the cast of characters uh, who you're going to face, uh, just so fun and, and ridiculous and just exactly why I love this series. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's weird and, and wrong in all the right ways. I just, I love, I love exploring um, the, I'm, I'm in the castle right now. I just, it is so gorgeous and just ridiculously ostentatious. And I, you know, sometimes I find myself just racing through video game spaces, you know, like just concentrating on the gameplay, concentrating on my task at hand here. And I know it's kind of like, it's not really how I should be feeling because I should be scared. But here I'm just like wandering around and admiring every corner of this world that they've built. And again, that's because it is so like ostentatious and ridiculous and, and just dripping with attention to detail. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with it. And I know I haven't finished, so I'm not going to keep rambling on, but I I'm, I'm with, Altano, like it is, it is by far my favorite game experience thus far um, of 2021, and I'm just like I'm enjoying every second of it. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm it's definitely up there for me so far too. I'm I'm a little bit uh, ahead of you and. Uh, Max, right before we get to you, just want to remind people, uh, as we are live, we're going to do um, some Q&A, so please start getting some questions in in chat, and we'll be keeping an eye on those uh, to answer in just a little bit. But Max, you wrote down, uh, just got through the really wet part. So how, how yeah, are you enjoying yeah. Resident Evil Village? Can, can you hear me okay? Do I sound okay? Maybe not. Don't know if we can hear Max. But can you all hear me? I can yeah. hear you. Okay. Hmm. Oh, no. Okay, Max. so this is fun. Oh, Two Max of the programs we use to communicate. So we'll, we'll get back to Max in just me, a little bit of a so. second. You type it out, I can say it for you, and then <laughs> your yeah. mouth and. <laughs> He's just typing dinner, dinner, dinner. We'll do a, a text to speech. Red, can you, uh, as we're live, he didn't like He didn't like the boss fight where you fight those three monkeys with the covered mouth, the covered ears, and the covered eyes, which is, that, I think, that's a more of a That's a Sekiro spoiler, I think. What is he? Help. Red, are you able to help Max in the background while he figures things out? Can you hear me? Cool. It... Uh, Apparently, the audience can hear Max, but no. we cannot. Okay, I'm going to unmute Max. Hey. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? On VMAX. I can hear you. Maybe. Well, this, I, uh, no wonder we don't do this live on a regular basis. Wow. There we go. He's back. Now but, I can it, but it's yeah, weird because we we, we're uh, using the same yes, tech we that we always use. And just because it's live, everything is going wrong. Exactly. Um, so, Max, how are you enjoying Resident Evil after the really wet part? I love I love this game a whole bunch. It's really it's exactly what I was hoping it would be. I was a little bit apprehensive it was going to be too scary for me because I'm a ginormous baby. But after... Kind of an initial part, which is a little bit, little bit jumpy. It opens up and gets like it gets very, very fun, very actiony. Like obviously hits a lot of RE4 notes. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm totally enjoying the um, 
just the environments and just ex exploring. Um, I think there's something specifically about how kind of like archetypally horrifying it is. Like it feels like kind of a, oh God, I saw someone on Twitter compare it to like a small town Halloween haunted house tour where like all of the, it's a bunch of like local actors, like really hamming it up. And then you go in a hallway and sh and stuff jumps out at you. And it's like kind of, kind of campy. And it almost hits like the sort of greatest hits of different things that might scare you uh, to the point that it almost, it becomes like sort of so over the top and so much of a variety pack of different types of horror that it, it feels, I mean, it feels like a, you know, Halloween breakfast cereal, you know, mashup. So um, yeah, I'm loving it. it. I'm very like excited it, it about this feels, game. It feels like a theme park. Like, you know, I, I feel like I'm not, and I, I'm playing it on standard difficulty. So keep that in mind, but I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not having to really be strategic, so to speak. Like, I feel like I'm being, kind of guided by the game through a, a set route um and I, I don't mind that at all like i'm i'm loving it for what it is i'm loving that it feels like a guided tour of a very very messed up small town theme park <laughs> yeah i i, I go yeah. ahead brian yeah. no i was just going to add to that real quick i i, I think that uh, you both just nailed it there's something really awesome about um, the sort of slight freedom that it gives you to kind of mess around in the margins between the big beats um, and, and areas and boss fights and stuff like that. If you, the, it's got it's got like just enough Far Cry in it where if you're like, if I want to hunt chickens for an hour and the large man in the in the in the cart will make me a like a, a fish fish dinner that will make me stronger forever, I can do that. If I want to go shoot goats on the roof, I can do that. You know, if I want to like put put doll parts together for an hour and sell them. I can do that. Or I could just go right through the main story. I think that's like a, that's that's the perfect kind of game for me is like a game that's like that length, but also has enough kind of in the back end that if you really like it, it's there for you and you can dig around in it. Yeah, it's, it's got a really great blend of that. And especially the way it focuses everything around the village. Like I, I did really think, oh, village in the title, maybe it'll just be sort of like lip service to the environment, but that is really the core concept of what you're always returning to and th there are these other uh environments and we're not going to spoil anything especially with some people on the show like lucy and myself being pretty early on but the, it the way it uses that village and, and the way like you were both just saying it lets you return to that stuff and unlock new things to be able to uh you know find new items and whatnot there is that slight bit of metroidvania ish to it that really really works for me in between both getting scared like crazy sometimes and also uh, laughing hysterically at the weirdness of it. It's, it's a really great blend of that stuff. I, I can't wait to keep going in depth on it. Um, I, I know some people have asked if we wanted to do a spoiler cast for it. And when, when we all beat it, perhaps we can, we can gather to talk about it in depth. I would love to. I, I would, would I, love yeah. to do that. Yeah. I'm dying would, to talk about this game more, especially uh, with, with, you know, Lucy is a gigantic horror fan. Max really likes horror. Um, Dornbush, I assume, you'll tolerate our ramblings for I love horror. I just get scared very easily. I am I am extremely easily scared is the problem. I don't actually I, like horror. I like monsters and they are frequently in found horror. in horror. So I'll tolerate true. the scary part to meet the monsters and engage with them. Yeah. Um, and there are go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say there, there there are some wonderful designs in this game. There were some moments where I was I was like you you all really understand 
like what makes horror great and i think there's a like uh, i horror is weird because it's like one of the only genres where people people will judge it based on how scary it is and they'll say like oh that movie wasn't that's not a horror movie because it wasn't scary and it's like well horror is more than just how much it scares you in the same way like a you know a drama is not judged by how dramatic it is specifically can we can we just drag this out can we because brian you were talking about this on on twitter you put up you said that Bloodborne is one of your favorite horror games. And right. people were like, it's not horror, it's an action RPG. And it's like, no, but it's like Frankenstein Dracula.jpg horror. Like it's so rooted in yeah. horror thematically, while it's mechanically an action RPG. I think it's it's survival horror is a video game genre, mechanically speaking, in that you're you know, you've got sparse resources and you've got to fight things that scare you. But at the same time, you can have horror tonally, thematically, overlaid mm-hmm. on basically any other type of Gameplay. It's, it's, it's why it's, I was happy Lucy mentioned The Last of Us uh, Part Two earlier as like mm. being horror because to me that like I don't I don't think Naughty Dog gets enough credit for truly understanding the genre. There are moments in that game that handle horror better than I think any uh, games that you would just basically put under the you know the the bucket of horror. When I think when people think mm-hmm. of horror, they go like Outlast, right? Um, but if you look at something like The Last of Us, the Bloodborns and stuff like that, they handle horror exceptionally well, whereas you may not just go, that's a horror game, but it it is rooted in horror, in horror. it is drenched in horror, it is thematically top to bottom celebrating horror. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, I'll, I'll tell you, no, I, I was watching um, some of the feedback from, uh, we just put up a review of Spiral, which is the new movie in the Saw series, and mm-hmm. our reviewer did not like it at all. And I was reading some of the comments, and everyone was like, "There are no good horror movies anymore. Like this is just an example of how terrible horror is in 2021." And it's just like, "What? You know, like there, some people have a very narrow view of what horror is, um, both in the game space and in the movie space. And I feel like a lot of people get frustrated if they see like Hollywood." Uh, pumping out bad horror movies or we're not seeing enough like horror in the AAA gaming space but there are so many fantastic horror movies and games I wouldn't even say they're in the margins you just have to like look a little bit beyond horror is you know something starring Chris Rock yeah it's it's (laughs) arguably which I've seen Chris Rock I, I've seen Spiral, and I think that it, it like this, the sort of traditional saw trap parts of that movie are are very well done horror. Um, the kind of stuff that will make you sort of hide your face from uh, wanting to look at it. Uh, I would argue that horror is in a better spot than it's been probably since the '70s or '80s. I mean, get a get a Shutter account. Like there are new, uh, you know, I, I know most of you do. But there are new movies that are being added to that every day. Um, I, I I'd say that like horror games. You know, we don't really get we don't have a Silent Hill right now, and that sucks. But I think there's a lot of games being developed by people who grew up worshiping games like Silent Hill and they're putting that DNA into their modern products and it shows and I really really love that and one of the great things about Resident Evil Village is that I think that like and I kind of want to put I was going to ping you about this uh, Lucy but I want to put something together of sort of like the nods that it has to existing horror because there's a lot of you know, there's a little bit of the ring. There's a little bit of the witch. There's a couple of little details in there that you're like, oh, that's a, you know, not necessarily an Easter egg, but that's a, that's a nod. That's a nice little reference right yeah, there to something, yeah. you know. There's yeah, there's a, there's a ton of homage work in there, and as as we often do on the show, Lucy, if you if we want to talk about that as a feature piece after the show, we can always pitch. Content <laughs> Let's live definitely on, talk about that because I would love talk. to but see that. I, I'm absolutely there with you. I, I think the way it, it's blending the entirety of the genre and not just trying to be the the 
as I think you all were saying, there, there's a larger understanding of what horror can be, especially in video games. And I think Village walks the line of campy horror, genuinely like jump scare horror, uh, unnerving horror. There's it, it, it really threads the needle in a lot of ways, and I, I'm really loving it so far. Um, as we as we uh, sort of lean toward wrapping up, please, if, if anyone has any questions in chat, please uh, feel free to start putting those in. But I thought I'd switch gears over while we, we get a few questions in, perhaps, to uh, a segment that we do on the show that we started a couple years back called Memory Card and Memory card, excuse me, of course, is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, uh, write in with your wacky, weird, sad, happy, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life. Uh, and we read those on the show. But this week, I'm not reading one of yours. I'm telling you one of mine. Gasp. Isn't that a plot twist? It's not really. You probably should have expected it given how sentimental I often am. Um, but no, this week, I wanted to just take a moment and, and genuinely say, Thank you to to everyone who has has supported the show in any way, whether you you've watched or listened since just last week. I, I've seen some people tweeting about oh, I just started listening and I love it. Or if you've been listening since you know for years, if you've been listening since episode one, like I did, um, thank you for genuinely making this show such a like just a, a highlight of our our weeks, of a phenomenal gathering point to talk about PlayStation and so much more that we all love talking about and getting nerdy about. Um, I've I've probably said this before on the show, but if I haven't, you know, Beyond has been part of my life before I was on it. I have been listening since episode one and I've, I've been pretty open about this and then I'll move away from the sads. Um, when my mom passed away when I was younger in high school, I went home and I didn't know where to turn to. I didn't know what to do. So I put on some IGN podcasts and I listened to Beyond of that week like two or three times because it was just comfort food for me at the time. And and so this show has meant so much to me from its start and so much throughout my life. And and so to be here celebrating episode 700 with you all, to, with this cast who I, who I love so dearly, with our producers, with everyone, uh, it, it just means the world to me. And I'm, I'm so appreciative that you all, you know, watch the show enough that we get to keep doing it every week. It, it really, it really means so much to me. We're lucky uh, to have you, Dorna. We're so lucky to have you. you. I mean, the three of us as well, like we're, I feel we're kind of cut from the same cloth and, and without you, I feel like we could, this could be kind of a slightly more cynical show. Miserable, um, just, yeah. you, you would say miserable. <laughs> you, you give, you give this show so much heart um, and, and so much care and, we couldn't do it without you. And we're just, this This show is lucky to have you. I, I appreciate that a lot. And I, I it means a lot. And, and thank you all for, for doing this show with me and, and for it getting to be such a fun time. I know, I know you were joking about being, you know, cynical, but I think the, the conversations we've had, especially, you know, in this last year when we've all not been able to do the show in person together, you know, Brian, you were talking about how the first Bloodborne Let's Play was the last thing we all recorded in person together. Um, and it's, it's held up in my mind as just such a memory of, of what us as a show and as a cast and as friends, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. can do together. We actually, and, we left that pizza, uh, the leftovers in that studio and it's just covered in rats and skeletons now, which it's is not about as bloodborne as it can get. No, we, exactly. we, I think we finished it all. We did. I, I think we got through it all, but, uh, and it was delicious, but we, um, yeah, I, I just love doing the show with you all. And especially during this past year where we've not been able to do it in person and, you know, we've had some weeks where we got pretty serious about where the world was and where life was, uh, but also found weeks to be hilariously weird and wacky about Bloodborne, about other PlayStation games, the PS5 launch, all that stuff. It's been such a fun, packed year on this show to be doing it in this way, but I couldn't have asked for a more wonderful Dorno, group of friends and castmates. To we talked about people who grew up on Ratchet and Clank making the new Ratchet and Clank. I feel like you're kind of 
the version of that with beyond like you you know you grew up listening to this and you you started out you know back in the day and like now you're you, you took it and you're making it your own and it's a it's an absolute delight because of that and you you put so much heart into the show well thank you i i appreciate that and i i, I hope it does come through because it, yeah the show means so much to me and i'm i'm so thankful for uh, everyone out there who supports it um we're going to be doing our bloodborne let's play in just a little bit but uh brian i don't know if you've been taking a look i'm going to scroll through chats just a little bit any major questions uh, popping up that we should address before we, we sort of head into the stream. Nate Dunn on YouTube suggests that we should put uh, Jonathan Dornbush in Smash Brothers. So I just wanted to ask you what would what would be uh, one of your signature moves there? Oh man, I mean, I'm going to have to go Famous PlayStation game Smash Brothers. Famous, uh, you know, in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2, we can, we can swap it to there. Mm -hmm. uh, probably one of my signature moves would be uh, to go back to that Ratchet and Clank weapon, a self-deprecating joke. Um, it would probably be a <laughs> remark. Uh, would be the way I'd try to defeat my enemies. What about poetry? What about bad poetry? Ooh, that just, yeah. That's like your your special move. And then the, the other characters just walk off the, the level. My special <laughs> The other characters like break out and sweat and walk off. <laughs> it's a bad sonnet. And I just, it goes so long that they're like, all right, this match is over. It's not, mm -hmm. we're, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah. Games, Coffee, and Collecting on YouTube says, uh, not a question, but this show is the highlight of our weeks too. I started watching in the beginning of my enlistment in the Marines and have enjoyed all of the hosts over the years. You four are exceptional. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thanks for listening. Thank I, you. Yeah. A, a lot of people talking about how like video game content, IGN stuff in general has like really helped them through the pandemic. That has been like this weird silver lining with all of this is we we cover and celebrate escapist fantasy for a living and it has been really good to have that stuff um i actually like it was weird i when i interviewed the director of spiral the other day he said that a lot of people have been really into horror since the pandemic hit um and that uh, people who are into horror are actually more prepared or were more prepared for the pandemic uh and I think that applies to gamers too. I think there's a lot of people that play video games that are just like, well, I know how to save stuff and I know how to deal with horrible scenarios. I know about uh, doomsday apocalypse envisions that uh, I have to survive. Like, I think we're not we're not great at it, but I think we <laughs> I think we handled it a little bit better than than some people who are just like, I only watch comedies and rom coms and what is happening? What is going on? So on a on a sillier note, we got a, a great dumb question here from zen bloke on the youtube chat which do we have time for a, a goofy hypothetical i think so yeah no one's told me otherwise he said <laughs> who would you drop into an established series to spice it up i would stick begbie from train spotting into mortal Kombat. <laughs> that's great that's so good yeah. oh man if if we can cross all sort of entertainment and media yeah that that really opens up the possibilities oh man Oh well, I mean, let's let's put uh, let's put Scorpion from Mortal Kombat in Animal Crossing. Just and he just lives in one of the houses, and you you have to go to his house and be like, Ooh. "You dropped your uh, chain again," and he's like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a gift for me. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, the dissonance is what always comes to mind. So immediately, my head is like, "Oh yeah, put Kratos in like Parks and Recreation," and he's like having an issue with his like backyard zoning permits. And, and needs to talk to like Leslie Nope about how to fix it. Uh, <laughs> that just seems like a good half hour that would work. Um, yeah, I would put like Babu Frick into The Last of Us. <laughs> Ooh, Don't, no! Do you want to kill him? <laughs> he's just he's just there. 
you know, there's like, there's like a really sad scene with like Ellie talking to her girlfriend and, you know, lots of sad moral quandaries. And then Babu Frick is just... Babu Frick. He's just there. He's like, it's the scene where they're, they're having their kiss in like the, the weed den. He's like, I have a blunt for you. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, hello. Uh, Yeah. That's definitely, I think what, uh, what Babu Frick would add to that series. I was going to say put Crash Bandicoot in The Last of Us, but it's like the dude from the 90s Crash Bandicoot commercials who wears the mascot suit. And he's just like, it's filthy. It's like covered in black mold and dirt and blood. And he's just like living in an old abandoned GameStop or something. And you got to go in there and, I don't know, help him push a truck. Or he's like, oh, they got a, there's a bunch of dried wumpa fruits in the, in the Trader Joe's down the street. You want to help me break in and get them? You're like, absolutely not. I don't know. It's not I a good idea. It. It's a bad idea. <laughs> also, he's uh, getting a divorce. That's, that's the key thing. Of he's course. He's recovering from yeah. his divorce. Yeah. I can't wait to read your Crash Bandicoot uh, divorce fanfic. I really need to see it. Should, should probably get on that. Yeah, I, that's, that's a dramatic reading for a future beyond. But uh, any, any other questions anyone spotted before we wrap up for today's uh, episode and then make our way to Bloodborne? Um, Jose Arroyo on YouTube says, what PS character can you see making a fun cameo in the pocket dimensions of the new Ratchet and Clank? Yeah, I guess they, they could theoretically do that, right? I feel like there might be a Spider-Man thing in there somewhere if they're allowed to legally. I'd yeah. like to see Aloy, Aloy being there. I feel like she's a very sort of like heroic, wise presence in any video game. And I'd like to see her make a cameo. That could work. I was thinking within the Insomniac family, like a quick like pass by of the Sunset Overdrive city. Like they just see it in a, in a pocket. That's, it's sort of over there. That's a that's great cool. idea. It feels like it's got to be there. But yeah, um, there's there's definitely a lot of potential. I hope there's some fun Easter eggs in there. Uh, again, we'll we'll be getting you know to that game in a month, so I'm I'm really excited uh, for that. But I I think that is probably all the time we have, uh, unfortunately, for podcast beyond episode 700. Uh, thank you, Max, Brian, and Lucy for joining me for this week and for joining me on this show in perpetuity. I I, I know I said it, but I, I love doing the show so much with you all, and I'm I'm so thankful for you all being here. Thank you. We love nice you, Jonah. And uh, thank you to our producers, Red and Marion, for helping to make this show work. And everyone else at IGN who's helping to make this live show work. Uh, if you're all watching on the main IGN YouTube, uh, this episode will be ending and we'll see you all soon. But if you're watching elsewhere, we will be continuing on uh, IGN Games with our uh, Bloodborne Let's Play in just a little bit. So please stick around. Uh, the rest of the cast is going to get a little bit of a break to, to grab some water. But I'll be hanging out to uh, chat, hang out, talk about uh, any other questions you may have. Uh, but thank you otherwise so much for listening and for watching this episode. Uh, we all hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 For the 700th time, beyond. <laughs> <laughs>